Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 18th of April 2010, entitled Thoughts on Child Rearing, and the Bible reading is Psalm 127. Here's Pastor Russ Iverson. Might I invite your attention this morning to the 127th Psalm. Psalm number 127. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. We particularly would direct our thoughts towards verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Lo is henna. It's the uh, demonstrative pronoun, lo, behold, see. And here the author is commending uh, our attention to what he is about to say. Children, he tells us, are an heritage of the Lord. Heritage being nahala, uh, it derives from the verb nahal to to uh, 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 initiate uh, or to excuse me to inherit. And uh, uh, nahala is something that is inherited. It is an estate. It is a paternity. It is a, a patrimony, a portion, an inheritance. It's a, a possession. Gesenius defines it in context as a possession that is granted by Jehovah, uh, the gift of the Lord. But interestingly, our word nachalah is also used back in 1 Kings chapter 21. In 1 Kings chapter 21, and uh, there in verses uh, 3 and 4, uh, and Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would uh, eat no bread. And uh, Naboth was prohibited from uh, uh, parting with the land that he had inherited. Uh, we see in Numbers 36, verses 7 to 9. But generally a heritage, an inheritance is governed by the terms that are set down in the will that grants the inheritance. God wants us to know that our children... Our heritage that is entrusted to us for wise stewardship. 
And God gives us guidance in his word uh, about how that we are to care for that inheritance, how we are to manage that heritage entrusted to us. And we have a, a ready contrast, a, a contrast between God's ways and uh, man's ways. Uh, we read, uh, for example, in verse 1, he says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Uh, apart from following God's plan in, in, in raising a family, there is heartache and there is fruitless effort. A city of, of households not raised under uh, God's precepts, under God's teaching, will not be secure, no matter how many watchmen that it has on the walls. You know, I'm minded. Stop and think of the, the headlines that, that daily buffet us in the news. Uh, Western civilization, as we know it, has divorced itself from God's precepts and God's standards and God's plans for I've lost count how many generations. We think we can go it on our own. We've ruled God out of our schools. We've ruled him basically out of society. And despite all the brains that can be mustered in Whitehall and in Washington, we wonder what in the world's going on. Because the financial world, the legal world, everything seems to be collapsing around us. But God told us that would happen, didn't he? No matter how many watchmen, it's not going to fly. But God knew Abram well. And God paid him a great compliment back in Genesis chapter 18. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse, uh, verses 18 and 19, God said there, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abram that which he hath spoken of him. And he knew that he could trust Abram to raise his household in a way that would be pleasing unto the Lord. And Paul the Apostle gets in on it in, back in Galatians in chapter 3 when he tells us there, picking up in verse 6, Even as Abram believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham." And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abram saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abram. But we have a biblical account that is as old as Abraham and even really a generation older than Abraham. And we see this over in the book of Job. The book of Job in chapter 1. And uh, picking up there in verse 1, and the scripture says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. 
And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was several, uh, was seven, was seven thousand sheep and three thousand camel and five hundred yoke of oxen, five hundred she asses and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so. When the days of their feasting were gone about, the Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And thus did Job continually. Each day of the week, one of Job's sons would host uh, the meals for the rest of the family as they did the work of the family ranch. And every seventh day, Job led his family in the worship of God. The day was set aside unto the Lord, and Job led his family in the service and the worship of Almighty God. But on top of that, Job continually, day by day, interceded with God on the behalf of each of the members of his family. God did not hesitate to use Job as an example, even unto Satan. In Job 1.8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God, and escheweth evil? Some 1,600 years afterward, Job still has a testimony In Ezekiel chapter 14, Ezekiel uh, uh, would be told by God about the righteousness of Job. In Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14, the scripture says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Or verse 20, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, but they shall deliver their own souls by their righteousness. But my point is this, Job and Abram were the spiritual leaders in their homes. They set the standard and they they led their family in that which was right. They ensured that the truths of God's word were taught in their homes and taught to their families. Another example that we have in the word of God Hannah had prayed for years for a son. And she had promised God that if he would give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, we read in 1 Samuel 1.11. And when Samuel was old enough, she took him. She took him to the house of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I believe it's verse 28, if I, no, it's not. It's 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 38. We read, well, maybe it's his verse 28. 1 Samuel 1, 28, yes. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, 
As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And we see there that word lent. And it means that Hannah, and I'm borrowing from the scholarship of another, returned him, whom I have obtained by petition to the Lord. Hannah kept her word. And because Hannah kept her word, when God called Samuel, Samuel responded. Notice what the Scripture says of him in 1 Samuel chapter 3, picking up in verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. All Israel from Dan even to Beersheba, from the northernmost part outpost of Israel to the southernmost part, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, where the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. We have a New Testament example that parallels Samuel. But before we look at that, I want you to see, please, a command that is given to us in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, and there God's word says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up is the command, shanak. It is to narrow, to initiate, to discipline, to dedicate, to train up. And this very word is used as the word dedicate back in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 63. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 63 on the scripture there, and Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered unto the Lord two and twenty thousand oxen and an hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. And you have the parallel passage saying the same thing in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 5. But when Solomon dedicated the temple to God, uh, there, we the cognate word in the Aramaic is a word that might be familiar to many of us. It is the word Hanukkah, dedication. Ezra used that word in Ezra chapter 6 and uh, picking up in verse 16. Ezra chapter 6 and verse 16, And the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the children of the captivity kept the dedication, Hanukkah, of this house of God with joy and offered at the dedication, Hanukkah, uh, of this house of God and hundred bullocks, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and uh, for a sin offering for all Israel, twelve he goats according to the number of the tribes of Israel. Dedication. They dedicated that new temple when they came back to the land from their Babylonian captivity. But the feminine form of the word Hanukkah 
is also Hanukkah, but the feminine form is used in Numbers chapter 7. Numbers chapter 7. And uh, it's used four times there in Numbers chapter 7. Picking up in verse 10. And the princes offered for dedicating of the altar on the day that it was anointed. Even the princes offered their offerings before the altar. And the Lord said unto Moses, They shall offer of their offering each prince on this day for the dedicating of the altar. We see it down in verse uh, 84. And uh, uh, there it was. this was the dedication of the altar on the day it was anointed by the princes of Israel. And in verse uh, 88, it says there, And all all the oxen for the sacrifice of the peace offerings were twenty and four bullocks and rams sixty, the he goats sixty, the lambs of the first year sixty. This was the dedication of the altar after it was anointed. But as the uh, 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 the actual offering was offered, this very concept is illustrated by Hannah lending Samuel to the Lord. He was raised to be a living sacrifice. And that lends itself well to what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, where that each of us that names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, has a stewardship. And there Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This ought to be our goal, not only for ourselves, but for our children as well. We need to bend them. We need to train them and prepare them to be that living sacrifice. We're talking of parents being dedicated, persistent, systematic, faithful in initiating their children and exercising biblical discipline with their children. But he says there in Psalm 127, or excuse me, Proverbs 22.6, he says there uh, in Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way that he should go. And way there is direct. Uh, a road is trodden, a course of life, a mode of action. And we as parents are to teach our children how to live. We're to put them on the proper road in life. Proverbs 22, 6 again, the word go, I find to be fascinating. It is the Hebrew word peh. It means literally the mouth. And it says, dedicate the child from the very mouth of his way. And uh, uh, many, if they bother to deal with it all, they don't know what to make of it. But Dr. A.R. Foss had said, from the very first opening of his reason. And we shall see uh, that for one uh, 
prominent person in the New Testament, this very thing was done. We've spoken of Abram. We've spoken of Job. But then notice the precept that God sets down under the pen of Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, picking up in verse 1, he said, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whether ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear of the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. The reason that our homes and our cities are no longer secure, we have failed to teach our children to love God and to fear his name and to reverence that name. Watch now what Paul would tell us in Ephesians and uh, chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, and I thought Brother Chris was going to steal my message this morning in Sunday school. In Ephesians chapter 6, picking up in verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Verse 4, that word nurture is paedia. It's a tutorage. It's education. It's training. It is disciplinary correction. It is instruction. It is nurture. And that word nurture, we have in our English from the Middle English by way of the Old French from the Latin, nutrire, to nourish, to nurse. It is the process of nourishing, the process of giving food, the process of giving nutriment. Paideia comes from paideo, to discipline, to chasten, to instruct, to teach. We're talking here the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And yes, there may well be need to be that time for corporal punishment. And I wish that when I was a lad growing up, the age of some of these here this morning, that my father had been a believer. He taught me to sing. And he taught me to dance at the end of a leather strop. But he never opened the Word of God. 
And that's the difference. Yes, there are times that corporal punishment is needed. And a spanking when it's needed, God gave a proper place and God gave a proper way. We are to bend them in the way that they should go. But I, my first Sunday school teacher after that I got saved, he was teaching on this. And he used his own children as an example. And they said, when it comes time, we go to a private room, the child and I, and I explain to him the precept that he has broken. And we apply the, the instruction to the seed of knowledge. And then we have, a, to use the English vernacular, a good cuddle. And we pray. I wish my father had done that with me. But with the corporal punishment, there must be the nourishment of the soul, the educating of the soul, the training of the soul, the feeding of the soul. Admonition is nuthasia, a calling attention to, an admonition, a rebuke, a warning. Nuthasia comes from nous, the intellect, the mind. We are to confront the mind. We're to give a reason. We confront the mind frequently. We have to go from both ends. Verbally and corporally. But we have to give a reason. And the bottom line are the absolutes of the Word of God. Proverbs 15.33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Or we find over in Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, picking up there in verse 9, David records, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Or we see in 119, picking up in verse 1, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Or we see in verse 101 of Psalm 119, he says there, I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Or 103, he says there, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. She's sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119 verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Or we see in verse 155, and he says, Their salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. We have as parents an incumbency. We have a 
uh, what shall we say, a condition, an obligation placed upon our heritage to impart the Word of God to those entrusted to us. And the evidence is all around that there is more than one generation that has failed to do so. But our New Testament example is introduced to us through the words of Paul. And Paul is awaiting execution at the hand of Nero. He has a date with the chopping block, and he has entrusted his ministry to a young preacher. Notice what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. 2 Timothy 1 5. Paul records here and he says, When I call remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Unfeigned is without a false front. It's without hypocrisy. It is genuine. It is sincere. And it lends itself well to what I am told used to be a practice in the potteries. When that after that the, the, uh, the greenware had gone through the, the first firing, and they would look at it, and if they found a faint crack, they would kind of put some paraffin over it to hide it and then go on and do the all the other stuff they do to it and put it through the firings, etc. But if you held it up to the light, the bright light, you could see the crack that was hidden. We're not to be covered over with paraffin. We're not to be hiding in hypocrisy. We're not to be cracked, but genuine and sincere. Timothy was soundly saved, as was his mother and his grandmother. But then notice what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, picking up there in verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom that thou hast learned them, and that from a child... Thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. From a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures. And I think this is one case where that Paul uses his choice of words wisely because their child is not paedio, a child such as a toddler growing. But child here is briefos an unborn infant. Lois and Eunice began to teach Timothy in the Scriptures while he was yet in the womb. And for a long time, people kind of, if that was brought up, people would kind of, nah, you can't do that. But then they discovered in a scientific study, I believe down at Oxford, Children, while yet in the womb, respond to audio stimulus. And lo, a company was born. And they took the little Apple iPod thingies, the 
music boxes you plug in your head and hang around your neck. And they put a speaker right up to the child in the womb. And this company specialized in trying to program the kids with classical music. And it made the headlines worldwide. And I got up the following Sunday and said, see, I told you so. But what did Lois and Eunice do? They knew all this stuff 2,000 years ago. And the first thing that Timothy heard while yet in the womb with his mother's heartbeat and his mother's voice. And now you stop and consider. I often wondered why when I was in the Navy I'm not proud of it. The one command I was at, I was known as the best cusser in the command. When I got to studying this, I realized I learned from my parents while yet in the womb. Folks, what's the first thing your children ever heard you say? What's the first thing? They heard, the child hears the mother's heartbeat. And the reason why when a child is not well, that he wants to be cuddled up here, is because when he's not well, he draws security from the sound of his mother's heartbeat that he has heard from the moment of conception. That is the point of security. He draws security from her heartbeat, and he draws security from her voice. And that graphically was driven home to me. My better half and I were married in Hawaii. I was stationed there. She was working in a church there. Our first home was an apartment block. And we had a whole lot of privacy. On one side were those louvered glass windows that didn't seal out air, rain, or sound. On the other side were the same. In between the apartments was a nine-inch cement block, and that was it. And one day at work, I got a phone call because my son was going absolutely berserk. He was only weeks old. And I came home, and as I came up the stairs, the apartment on the other side of that nine-inch cement block, which was where, on our side of it, it was where David was laying, on the flip side was a God shelf. And the person who lived there was invoking the Hindu demons. And so we took David in the room furthest from that wall. So sat down in the rocking chair, cuddled him close, and we began to sing the songbook to him and had prayer with him. And as soon as that happened, smooth as silk, went back to sleep. Why? 
he heard the voice of his parents praying and singing the hymns and reading the scriptures. These are the first sounds a child learns to recognize. The very first things that Timothy heard were his mother and grandmother reading and praying the scriptures. After he was born and being nursed, he heard the praying and the reading of the scriptures. And it's those scriptures that brought Timothy to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in verse chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. From the very mouth if you please, from the very opening of Timothy's reason, the very opening of his mind. He was instructed in the manner of life that he should lead. He was instructed in the word of God while yet in the womb. He heard his mother and grandmother reading the scriptures. He heard them praying the scriptures. He received subconsciously the feeding of the word of God and he was bent in the way he should go. Lois and Eunice obeyed the admonition of the Lord through Moses. Again we look and refresh ourselves with Deuteronomy chapter 6 picking up in verse 4 here O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart with all thy soul with all thy might and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up teaching children God's Word, having them in God's house is our legal obligation under the authority of the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 10, picking up in verse 23, says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking Assembling of ourselves after the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but there's not a day that passes that I check the news that I see another reason to rejoice. Another reason to rejoice because another piece of the puzzle has fallen into place that paints the picture of what it's going to be when the trump of God sounds and we're called out of here to assemble ever with him. In these days when men's hearts are failing them for fear because their money is failing, because their countries are failing, because everything around them is falling to pieces. We are to teach. We are to instruct. 
both by precept and by example. My father used to love to say, do as I say, not as I do. I'd rather have had a dad that took me and showed me by example as well as precept. Those of us who are parents, we have a heritage entrusted to us. Are we meeting God's terms? Those who one day will be parents, are you committed to meeting those terms that are incumbent upon you? Children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Now, a lot of people make a fuss about the size. But a significant part of me is Seneca Indian. I learned a long time ago that each Indian's quiver was not necessarily the size of another one's quiver. How many arrows he could pack on his back differed from bowman to bowman. So, however many arrows you can pack, go for it. But we have an incumbency upon us. Folks, the first thing that those children need to hear after mama's heartbeat is the Word of God. They need to hear mom and pop praying. They need to hear mom and pop reading the Word of God. They need to hear mom and pop singing the hymns. They need to be bent almost from day one after conception in the way that they should go. It's incumbent upon us. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a congregation of people here that are willing to open to you the Word of God and instruct you in the way that you should go. But you need to avail yourself of the responsibility. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, before you get up out of that pew and make for the door, you need to find someone that's a member here. They can open to you the Word of God and show you how that you can be saved. Father, we thank you for the time in your Word this morning. We thank you for the time in your house. We thank you, Father, for the blessings that you entrust us as we are as children of God. Father, I'm thankful personally for the teaching of your Word on how to train a child. Father, I pray the things we've tried to share this morning could be used of you to thine honor and thy glory. Could be an encouragement to some here, a challenge to moms and pops yet to be. But Lord, might it be an opportunity to rededicate themselves anew and afresh to the things that you have in your word, to be found faithful when that trumpet sounds and we give account. Father, thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you, Father, that though everything around us is heading south in a handbasket, we have a hope that is out of this world and soon to be realized. 
Father, there be one here this morning who knows not Christ, who does not know our hope. Might we have the opportunity to share Christ with them in a more personal way and encourage them to meet personally the author, not only of physical life, but the, the author of eternal life. Father, have your perfect will and way in each and every heart and in each and every life. In Christ's precious name, we do thank thee. Amen. Amen.